Hello and welcome to ESPN Cricket Post. I'm Mike. I'm Kartik Ayer, speaking to you, listener, a few days after the end of the Border Gavaskar Trophy, another India versus Australia series won by India with a very familiar scoreline, two to one. That's four in a row now, four series, Test series that India have won against Australia. With me today, a man who is in Mumbai ahead of the first ODI, Andrew Maglashen. Welcome, Nasher, back to Stump Mike. Nice to be with you again. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the test series is done. Are you looking forward to the ODI? We're, we're speaking on the morning of the first ODI, so you're just on your way to Wankhede this afternoon. I am indeed. It's a bit of a, it's a one-off trip, this one for me. I'm, I, it's sort of on my on my way back to Australia. I thought I'd nip over to uh, to Mumbai. So, yeah, I'm doing, doing the game uh, today. Yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously, t- the teams are starting to build up to the, ODI World Cup now, there's always the next thing on the horizon in international cricket. So, yes, I'm looking forward to my first experience of hopefully what might be close to a full house at the Wankady as well, which uh, should be quite an experience. Mm, I saw I saw you tweeted that it's uh, from the Wankady. I think you were at the training yesterday and you said that's one off my bucket list. Is, yeah. is, is that a stadium that... In, in your part of the world, is that is that something that uh, people would like to go to, to like to visit? It, it's redone now. It has bucket seats. It's supposed to be yeah. pretty good, the facilities there. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously I'm very much a cricket person. So I mm-hmm. I guess I have um, sort of, there's certain stadiums in certain countries that have sort of an iconic um, party in your memory. And of course, um, the Wankady over here in Mumbai is a very historic um, cricket ground. Of course, the ground where MS Dhoni won the, well, cut with that six. I was actually asking one of the local journalists yesterday just to point out where the six landed just to get mm-hmm. my bearings of which end of the ground I was at. So things like that make it a very historic um, stadium. Um, so, yes, certainly from a personal point of view, one of the grounds in the world that I've always wanted to visit and, and, and do a match at. So, yes, very much looking forward to this. Another gentleman who's been to cricket grounds across the world is Karthik Krishnaswamy. KK, welcome to Stump Mike. Well, what, what's your favourite venue that you've been at? Jeez, wow, it's a hard one. <laughs> okay, okay, uh, I will rephrase that. Is there any oh, venue off your bucket list that you would like to go to? Oh, wow, bucket that list. That you haven't like, been There's to. a lot I haven't been to, so let's mm-hmm. uh, get that clear. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go to the Oval for, you know, not because India are going to play the World Test uh, Championship. Uh, are, are, you, are you pitching to our bosses no. that to, to, to send you across on June the 7th? Not exactly, but I've always been fascinated by the gasometer uh, next to it and uh, mm-hmm. it's just a very unique venue because of that yeah I'd love to go there sometime and, yeah. and, K- and KK you have a little thing don't you you were telling me when we we're in indoor that you like to go and visit the grounds that are no longer in operation yeah. I mean you, you took me to the Nehru Stadium in indoor for, for a look around and uh, you have a few more of those on your list that you'd like to do yeah I've done a few already I did the Antigua Recreation Ground and mm. uh, uh, Christchurch, uh, Lancaster Park, and now the Indoor uh, Nehru Stadium as well. Yeah, I kind of love doing that. There's a bunch of them around the country, actually, uh, around India, especially, like a lot of Nehru stadiums, plus a few others as well. And uh, yeah, that's something I do enjoy doing. Uh, yeah, that that, yeah. that can be a lovely, lovely series in yeah. fact. Lost I mean, grounds, I mean, forgotten in, grounds. Yeah, I think England, like Bramall Lane, hosted one test match, if I'm not wrong. And it, it is still a football venue. Uh, that would be fun to go to, I'm sure. 
Speaking of the Oval KK, that is where India will play Australia again in the World Test Championship final. Australia, of course, confirmed their participation with victory in the previous test. India confirmed it with a Kane Williamson dive. Nasha, you were in Ahmedabad, a pretty sparse Ahmedabad on day five. It was a tepid finish to to a pretty exciting series. What can be said about the test? I mean, that that can probably engage our viewer. There were four centuries hit, four great centuries, credit to all those batters. Ashwin took quite a few wickets, credit to him on that pitch especially. Uh, what do you make of the test uh, in Ahmedabad? Oh, yeah, that final day was a, a disappointing way to end this series that had been really engaging. Obviously, we hadn't had long test matches for the first three, and it was kind of nice for those first four days in Ahmedabad to see to see some good centuries. Um, I mean, yes, it was a flat pitch, but the batter still had to work for their runs. And they were each very different centuries. You had Usman Khawaja who sort of ticked and I suppose nudged his unfair, but worked his way to 100. Then you had Cameron Green who just played. Mm. Now, maybe I'm slightly skewed here. I mean, I know Shubman Gill played a beautiful innings too, but I thought Cameron Green's was actually the 100 of the match because the, the power and the precision of his driving, I thought was outstanding. During that innings, and it's always nice to see someone score their first test century, particularly someone who is earmarked for such a big future, which Cameron Green is. So it was nice to be there for that. And of course, from the Indian side, Gil, who I mentioned, who, who actually him and Green are an interesting sort of pairing. I remember watching them go head to head in the series in Australia uh, a couple of years ago that was played during the pandemic. I remember putting a tweet out at the time. I think Green was bowling to Gil. And I kind of said, oh, here's two players that we're going to be talking about head-to-head for the next 10, 12 years. And I guess Gill's path has been slightly more stop and start in Test cricket than, than Green's has so far. But to see Gill's 100 was nice as well. And then, of course, to cap it all off, some chap called Virat Kohli scored a century <laughs> as well, which is always an experience to be there when he does that. But there was obviously the backstory to that of him having waited so long um, to sort of break that duck uh, of another 100 and maybe kickstart the next phase of his test career. So each of the four days before it drifted had a good storyline. And you mentioned Ashman as well. He bowled beautifully for those six wickets. And I thought Australia's spinners did a pretty good job as well. So there's always something in the test match until that last day when you've got uh, Chetas with Pajara sending down over of leg breaks, uh, then you kind of know the test has finished <laughs> at that point. But all in all, a very good experience. Another very interesting experience for me to go and cover a test match there as it was an indoor um, so yeah, a drawn test match won't be remembered perhaps for a long time, but it still had some redeeming features. Mm, yeah, I mean, I guess the tweet exchange between Ashwin and Pujara was a little more entertaining than 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 that final session. Nasha, I'll stay with you. Why wasn't Labushain going for his century? I found it a bit strange. I thought, I mean, I, I get it. It's maybe it's not. It's one of his the easier ones that he'll score. But I thought he'll want one in India. I, I I don't know, to be honest. I suspect what it is, is that there was always going to be a time issue and kind of like, I said, I think everybody genuinely wanted to finish that game. And if, if say, Marnus had tried to get there and had been 85 not out when the last hour started, Smith might have had to decide whether to give him another three overs to get his 100. Um, I know there might have been a few irritable people in the press box if that game had gone on too much longer. So <laughs> I think, to be fair, once they came back out after tea, I think their main priority was to just get the 15 overs bowled um, Marnus clearly didn't want to get out at that point. Um, there was a nice little knot out there for him. Um, but yeah, I think everyone knew that the intensity and sort of the significance of the game had gone. So um, he didn't really feel the need to just bag another hundred. And mm. everyone was quite happy to call time. Yeah, and he'll be back on these shows for sure. At least once, if not, if not twice or more. KK, 
in Ahmedabad. Uh, I don't think we can begrudge him the player of the match award. Virat Kohli, of course, won it. Would you, though, have given it to anyone else? I'm going to begrudge him the award completely. Yeah. <laughs> like the the performance of the match was Ashwin's for sure. Like mm, on that pitch, mm. and that too at the worst time to bowl on uh, on that pitch, which was days one and two. He got six wickets, and mm. you know he deserved the player of the match there. But I can see like how these people do it. Like which is okay. We're going to give this person an award. We're going to give uh, this person this other award. So you know. Otherwise, then Ashwin would have ended up with two awards and like Kohli with none and like all these calculations come into it, I guess. And as Nasher said, Kohli's 100 wasn't even the most, uh, wasn't even the best 100 of the game. So if you wanted to give it to a batter, I'd probably have given it to Usman Khawaja. Mm-hmm. Uh, he set things up beautifully for Australia and, uh, you know, he just locked that one end up completely. They weren't going to get him out and... Uh, India never looked like they're going to get him out. And uh, yeah, so it should have been Ashwin. And if you really wanted to give it to a batter, it should have been Khwaja. And I felt it, felt it a little odd that after a series so competitive, you didn't have any Australian winning an award. So right, uh, yeah. But uh, I mean, these things are what they are. And uh, the match itself, yeah, a little disappointing after how the first three tests had gone. But in a weird way, like the fact that it was a draw, because mm-hmm. India have played on pitches like this, uh, have played other oppositions on pitches like this, and generally, even if the other opposition has gotten to 400, like India have tended to score a little quicker than they did and get to maybe 600, and then you know the match just becomes entirely different. Yeah. Did, didn't Kohli say that that was the plan, but because of Shreyas's injury, he had to then a bit of that, up, yeah. Yeah, a bit of that, but also, you know, Australia's bowling was so good that mm. India couldn't really get away. There were so many sessions, like, Kohli had to wait, like, half a day to score his first boundary of day four, mm. right? And that doesn't happen if the bowling isn't really, really accurate and backed by really imaginative fields and all that. Uh, similarly, Shubman Gill, uh, after getting to his 50, I think, went through a, I'm not sure if it was after or just before, but he went through a long period where he scored quite slowly, nine runs of like 60 balls or something of that sort. And when you have players, such gifted stroke players being, you know, made to work so hard for their runs, it tells you something about the bowling. And uh, which is why I think like Australia just stayed in the game right through, never let uh, India run away with it. And uh, which could have happened if you had uh, a less good bowling attack. Yeah, that's that's the Ahmedabad test in, in the rearview mirror. That's the test series in the rearview mirror. Let's spend a few minutes, Nasha, talking about the test series as a whole. I mean, this is not an original thought, but it does feel like that that morning, the third morning in Delhi. I think I think that'll be probably the standout memory. I mean, if you're Australian, it won't be a good memory, but that'll be the standout period of play from from the series when we look back at it, back at it. Yeah, in a strange way, over the last few days, um, or certainly since the end of the Ahmedabad test, um, it's sort of been deemed a successful failure by Australia Mm. um, because of how they rebounded from that. If you split the series into two halves, so when I replaced Alex Malcolm, for example, um, it it, it was 2-0 and then it was 1-0 to Australia over the second Mm. half half of the series. So, um, yes, and they've spoken quite openly. Um, they regret, they massively regret that that session in Delhi. They it'll take a little bit of time for them to sort of 
uh, I guess, move on from that in terms of what it meant for the series. Because if they'd if they'd batted anything like properly that session and got 175 to 200 ahead, and they would don't forget they were effectively 60 for one on that third morning, so they needed probably another 150 runs to really be favourites, probably to win that test match. And you never know how things then unfold after that. You can't say mm. that they would still win an indoor and Ahmedabad would be flat because you just don't know. So, uh, but um, uh, that was that was obviously the point where the series was decided because India then won and it was 2-0 and the trophy was was staying in their hands. So it was really, I think, decided by, yeah, as Steve Smith called it, an hour of madness uh, because for two days of that game, and I know India fought back very well to basically level the first innings, but um, Australia batted pretty well to get that 260 in their first innings. They mm. had India 140. For seven. I mean, you could say, I mean, as we're talking about an overview of the series, um, so Patel was the key player in India winning that series. His lower order runs in Nagpur stretched the lead. I mean, I think India would have won in Nagpur without his runs there because Rohit had scored that century, but they wouldn't have won in Delhi without that innings he played. That that was the pivotal innings of the series. It kept India in the game. Um, and then they rebounded from that poor hour with the ball on that third morning. Um so kind of that that sort of when he, when Australia couldn't secure, they'd secured, say, an 80-run lead in, yeah. in Delhi. Then, of course, 60 for one puts you 150 ahead and the game's almost out of reach then for India, you, you imagine. And the pressure then, because part of that eight for 28 collapse was sort of a sort of a pressure thing, or rather it was the way it, like the domino effect, um, that Australia became very nervous as soon as Travis had nicked that one, that good delivery from Ashwin, um, that that changed the game sort of thing. Whereas if they'd had a bigger cushion, that perhaps wouldn't have had the same psychological effect on them. So yeah, it, Delhi will always be one that Australia regret. I think they started, they started slowly in Nagpur. Um, and there's a, there is a debate about how they prepared for the series and whether it was the right way to prepare for it. Um, they should have got closer to winning in Delhi. Of course, famous winning indoor um, was their high point of the series and, and kind of, just because it was a sort of a, a crazy pitch, I don't think you should sort of gloss over how good that was from Australia just to keep their composure in that game. Um, and then as, as KK touched on kind of um, the, the Ahmedabad test match sort of developed in a it reminded me a lot of the Ranchi test match uh, six years ago. And it was on that actually Steve Smith referenced a couple of times on this tour. He said that sometimes in India 450 isn't enough. Mm. And he wanted at least 500 in Ahmedabad first innings. They almost got there. They got 480, but that needed Murphy in line to make some important runs. And so if they if they'd have fallen for 400, then India could well have gone on and perhaps won that last test match as well. So yeah, I think 2-1, a fair result. Um, Australia can come away with it with a lot, I think, to be pleased about. But one huge regret is that third morning in Delhi. Yeah, yeah. KK, that's four series now, 2-1, that we, India, have beaten Australia. It I don't know, grow, growing up in, in the 90s, this, this seems a bit unbelievable. And I, 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 I'm still not used to getting used to it. I mean, uh, winning at home, like it happened then as well. Mm. Though mm. not with this level of certainty, certainly not against Australia. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, the away wins, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's hard to fathom even now because... Because you look at this Australian team and you look at a full-strength Australian team in Australia, it's uh, you're still like, how did they do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
especially the second one but yeah it's what it is and uh, the thing now with after this 2-1 win is that by the time they play each other next which is in australia in a couple of years time not sure exactly when uh, things could be quite different because this generation is like you know most of them are in their mid 30s mm. so yeah you're going to get to a point where the team won't look quite the same and how they do in australia could be you know it could show how this new era of india australia relationship in test cricket begins yeah yeah you mean india's dominance over australia you could say it okay in 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 test cricket in in I recent two, times two one four times over isn't really dominance it's like yeah, uh yeah yeah, I mean it the, is the, the, the way the way way you said relationship with Australia. It just reminded me of Matthew Aden on day one in Ahmedabad, who kept repeating the same thing over and over again. Uh, okay, so KK, we'll we'll stick with you. A standout performer slash performance in in this series. You you can select a performance one and a performer overall as well. Like a performance across the series or across the series and a a, a single performance like it, it could be row it's hundred uh, the only hundred that was that was not in in Ahmedabad which 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 is my answer to the question and India is probably India's best performer India and Australia yeah I thought like Ravindra Jadeja's bowling on day one hmm. of the series uh, because like he's coming back from a long layoff. He's coming back from surgery on a very important joint. It's his landing knee. And no one really knew, like, yeah, sure, he'd taken a 7 fur in a Ranji Trophy game before that. But no one really knew if he could take on the bowling workload, first of all, and how potent he'd be. But that was a beautiful bowling display. And after that, like, after that, he did get wickets, but he didn't look quite as impressive as he did on that first day. Mm-hmm. And I think that that bowling performance really set up the series for India. And uh, also Nathan Lyon on day uh, three, uh, sorry, day, was it two or three? Yeah, day two in Indore. It felt like day seven because so much had happened until then. But <laughs> yeah, day two of Indore. He was just, yeah, he was just a monster. Like India couldn't get him away at all. And like that wicket ball was just around the corner at all times. And like Ashwin's uh, six per in Ahmedabad on that yeah. pitch, like like three like three great spinners and three great performances from them across the series, uh, and I think overall as well these three like if they'd given the player of the series award jointly to three of them, that would have been a pretty great way to recognize just how mm. influential all three had been, not just in the series and also like kind of recognize how. Immense they've been in the Border Gavaskar uh, trophy as a whole. So, yeah, yeah, I'd just say these three performances and these three players. Yeah, about Nathan Lyon, there was this running contest with Ashwin as well to who will who will finish as the highest wicket taker in the Border Gavaskar trophy. Yeah. Before the series started, Kumble was on top with 111. Mm-hmm. Currently, it's Nathan Lyon now at 116 and Ashwin just two behind at, at uh, 114. So that that contest will hopefully continue in, in Australia in a couple of years' time and maybe maybe in India in, in four years' time as well. We will see. They, they, they're both getting, getting on a bit. Uh, Nasher, we will we'll we'll come to you with that question but first about nathan lyon i think I think safe to say that he has rohit sharma said said it best that he is never faced warner mudley but lyon is the best spinner that he has faced on these shores best overseas spinner yeah i mean he's had a 
he's had a phenomenal career and sort of he continues to sort of get better and, and maintain that consistency really he he has in the last couple of years um or certainly in this run of test series in asia uh that australia have had pakistan sri lanka and now here in india he's put in a big performance in each of those series he helped win the final test in pakistan to take that series um, he took Pfeiffer in the goal test that they won there and then of course as kk mentioned the the eight for in indoor and and he bowled beautifully in Delhi actually and it was interesting to hear him say during in uh, during Ahmedabad that he felt he bowled his best in Ahmedabad and I guess it goes back to the point that KK has been making about Ashwin's six wickets there that that there's a um that there's a different satisfaction that some of these great players get out of performing when they know conditions aren't in their favour um, mm-hmm. and it was it was bloody hard work bowling on that Ahmedabad pitch and you had to use or your skill, or your craft. You can. Ashwin has one or two more tricks up his sleeve when it comes to these conditions. He does have the little flicks and, and things like that. Lion is a bit more of your traditional sort of like really good ripping off spinner, uh, good arm ball. And as KK wrote about in the series, uh, made excellent use of the round the wicket uh, line, which all off spinners are doing right now. But Nathan Lyon, because it wasn't something he did a lot of, um, even until quite recently, really. And I think it, that was very interesting to watch him go about it that way. Um, he he's always been he not always, but he had a mindset sort of thing that he wanted to bowl that wide line outside off stump, get batters driving, which in Australia can be the way to go because you you don't get the assistance um, off the services that that, that we've had in this series and sort of he bowls for the drive the outside edge to slip the outside edge to the keeper and then the one that does turn comes back through the through the gate whereas here obviously he's kept the stumps in play a lot more he's got lbws he's got bowls um so i just saw a very interesting series from watching line uh from from, from that point of view and um yeah a phenomenal test career and sort of one thing about line as well is and i know he's a spinner so he doesn't quite have the same stresses on his body i guess that fast bowlers do, but the run of test matches without missing one is an extraordinary part of Nathan Lyon's um, test career. Since he had a little bit of in and out at the beginning of his test career, mm-hmm. he, he just hasn't missed a game. Um, and it's it's a, it's a phenomenal record, just as in luck plays a part, hasn't broken a finger, hasn't pulled a hammer, at least around the time of test series. So, um, yeah, it, uh, really, really good to watch him go about his work in this series and was nice... Um, was really interesting to see him as part of a three spin attack, which is something in Australia that you just don't, or rather yeah. in Australian cricket that you just very rarely see. And how that how that dynamic worked, um, I thought I thought was really interesting. And they did all complement each other. Um, and I mean, if you just want me to jump straight jump straight into the answer about who sort of impressed me across mm-hmm. the series for performance, I mean, given that KK has picked out the big three spinners as we can call them, I'm going to pick out the small fourth one or the young fourth one, Todd Murphy. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was wonderful to, to watch this series. Seven first class games when he made his debut okay. in Nagpur, um, and if you didn't know that, if you just said to someone how many, how much cricket has this guy played, then you could easily have said, oh, he's had four or five years of first class cricket. It's a senior, a senior bowler. He rarely bowled a bad ball, or let alone a bad spell in that series. I think he went at two point six and over. So the point KK was mentioning about how India couldn't get away in Ahmedabad, a lot of that obviously down to line but line couldn't do it all by himself so at the other end you had todd murphy because stark and green went at four and a half and over each or five and mm. over so um smith couldn't drive and end with the quick so basically it was murphy murphy and line did sort of 
dried up that scoring. And I just thought his control of length and line, and obviously he got Coley four times, albeit the last one was a swing to deep mid-wicket, but the three where he'd sort of outdone him uh, with some really nice off-spin bowling. I thought the LBW in in indoor was a terrific bit of cricket because he'd slid one across him the over before, spun one back, um, trapped, trapped him in front. And there's often been a question in Australian cricket, um, if it's not Nathan Lyon, then who? in terms mm-hmm. of spin. Well, that question has been answered on this tour. And I think that's one of the biggest things Australia can take away from here because Nathan Lyon isn't going to play forever. And you mentioned that, that we'll certainly get one more um, uh, Border Gavaskar series out of yeah. in, in Australia. Four years back here, that's a tough ask. But I think now there could be some confidence. And I'm not saying Todd Murphy's going to be a 500-wicket bowler, but... He has the makings of something quite special, I think. And I think now that they can transition when it comes, that transition can be a pretty orderly affair uh, because obviously Australia and most places where Australia play, including the WTC final in a couple of months and then the Ashes in England, you're by and large only going to play one spinner, really, unless something dramatic happens with the pitches. Back home in Australia, you might play two at the SCG like they did this Mm. season. Uh, But other than that, Todd's now going to have to wait either for an injury to Nathan Lyon, which, as I said, doesn't often happen, or the next subcontinent tour, which is Sri Lanka, in 2025. But once Nathan Lyon moves on, then Todd Murphy slips straight in. So I think in terms of what we learnt about Australia and their next generation, I think that was the biggest takeaway. Obviously, Cameron Green's 100 was magnificent, but we kind of knew he was pretty special. He just needed to get fit again. Um, And it was a big loss. He didn't play those first two tests. But I think in terms of what they've gained from this series... Um, Todd Murphy is is the runaway leader there. Yeah, yeah. Your KK uh, Nasha was mentioning Australia's three tours to the subcontinent over the past over the past year or so to uh, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, and then India. I was looking at some stats. Lion is of course far and beyond the highest wicket taker. He has forty five. The next best is one of the seamers, I think, Cummins or Stark, with like fifteen or sixteen. Run scorers, KK, Uswan Kwaja has 900 plus across, I think, 15 innings in those in those tests. The next best are obviously Australia's two best with Smith and Labushain. Oh, have you always been a fan of Usman Kwaja? He, he seemed like he never got a fair go at it uh, during the initial part maybe of his career. And, and it, it feels so good to see him come come good at, at this stage, even though he's he's what he's 35, 36, and maybe doesn't have that many years left in in this in, in international cricket. Yeah, I, uh, I like it. Just shows how much perceptions, uh, how much of a role perceptions play in shaping someone's career. He talks about it a lot himself, and that you know he was never given a chance to actually. They they just say like you know he can't play spin, and hmm. but he was never really given a chance to either prove or disprove that. And uh, he said, "Yeah, sure, I have improved as a player against spin, but if I'd gotten those." opportunities earlier I could have learned quicker as well so and you saw that you just saw like this is a guy who knows his game inside out and he has a method and he trusts it uh, after the like he scored a 50 on day one of the Delhi test mm-hmm. and then there's a press conference at the end of it and someone asks okay what did he change between Nagpur and Delhi and he said in Nagpur I hardly played I like was out after facing like eight balls or ten balls in both innings and like uh, you know I didn't do anything wrong I just got out and so like you know he's had his method he stuck to it with like obviously uh, 
small modifications depending on the conditions, etc. Like in Ahmedabad, he didn't sweep at all, and or he swept uh, a couple of times, uh, but uh, until then, that had been one of the defining shots of his series. But he's like, I could score a lot of runs there without worrying, uh, just straight down the ground. So I was just, you know, uh, doing that, and I didn't feel the need to sweep. So. This is a guy who has the ingredients to play against spin on in all conditions, and he showed that, and he just looked like he knew exactly what he was doing, and he knew he seemed so confident against the best spin attack in the world. And uh, we speak about perceptions, and like Travis Head missed the first test because of perceptions again. I mean, sure, he didn't, he probably didn't do that yeah, that well yeah. in Pakistan and Sri Lanka either, but. Sometimes you have a really talented player and you just, you know, he uh, he was scoring runs for fun in the home season before that. So maybe they could have backed him, maybe not. You don't know. He could have got a pair in the first test also. So we can't say that. We can't say they did something wrong exactly, but it felt like, you know, this is one of your, like, locked in top five uh, in Australia. So why not just give him a go and see how he'd do and as the series went on, he was one of their most important performance, performers as well because uh, India didn't get him out early in any of his innings as far as I... Maybe one in Delhi where he flashed at Shami and got caught at slip. But mm-hmm. yeah, other than that, in like India's spinners didn't get through him quickly. And that makes quite a big difference on turning pitches. But also on like uh, the pitch in Ahmedabad, he made a... Slightly chancy 40 odd in the first innings. And he made that really good 87, uh, 87, 90, 90, 90 yeah, yeah. in the second. So he had a great series. And again, perceptions. Like sometimes you, you've got to back a player with a cert, who's got that level of talent and know that they'll come good. They'll find a way to come good. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is this is the part of the of a review podcast that that I do not like that much, but we need to do it. KK, we'll, we'll stay with you. Who were some of the underperformers? Any, anyone that disappointed you with across, across these four tests? Who didn't live up to potential? I don't know if anyone didn't live up to potential as such, but uh, I thought Akshar Patel's bowling, hmm. uh, like it, it was always tidy when he got the chance. He didn't bowl like, he doesn't bowl bad balls. But uh, the first three tests, he just his rhythm looked a little off, and the way India used him, I thought some of it was forced on them because Ashwin and Jadeja were like running through teams, and you don't want to take the ball away from them. But in terms of like longer term thinking, it felt like he, by not bowling enough, he kind of fell out of rhythm. So he, I don't think India got the fullest out of Akshar Patel, the all rounder in the series, even though he batted beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, and I was very happy to see him get that wicket on the last day of Travis Head, bowl through the gate. And even before that, there were a few balls that he really spun out of the rough. So, that was encouraging to see because, like, that's the big question about his bowling, right? Which is that, you know, his straighter one, and especially against the right-handers, the way he attacks the stumps with that straighter one is the defining feature of his bowling. But he kind of showed that given a little bit of help, he can really rip one... Uh, you know, turn one hard and sow that sort of confusion in the batter's mind. So that's a good sign for the future. Other than that, uh, I thought the batters, you can't really judge, especially the first three tests, how they went. KL Rahul? 
KL Rahul? Again, if he played in Ahmedabad, he might have scored that century mm. that Gill scored. So, hmm. you know, you don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I kind of sympathize with him. And uh, uh, he played two tests and anyone can have like four low scores. Like that last dismissal of his was just... Yeah. He kind of summed up how unlucky he'd been right through, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to like be too harsh on... Yeah, You did feel bad for him then. You did feel bad for yeah. him, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, Nasha, from the Australian point of view, are, are the answers a little more obvious? Uh, well, I guess you can talk about a couple of the players who didn't finish the series. I guess the big hmm. the elephant in the room right now with Australian cricket is David Warner. Um, hmm. And I guess I might come back to him in a second because he didn't finish the series. But out of, out of the ones who sort of finished the series, um, um, and I'll, I'll caveat this one with two parts of his game. Alex Carey's wicketkeeping was exceptional for a large part of this series, particularly in indoor, thought he had a terrific test match with the gloves there. And and while using the same caveat that Kartik did about judging batters on most of these pitches is 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 tough. I was a little bit disappointed with Alex Carey through the series. Um, I mean that final shot in Ahmedabad on when he had the best pitch of the series to to play normally, he mm. hacked it. He hacked it to backward point, and that could have been really costly for Australia because they were they weren't at four hundred at that point. And there, for a moment, there were flashbacks to his reverse sweep that he played in goal when he got caught at deep cover. And on that day, I, don't, I can't remember the exact scores, but something like Australia went from 350 to 6 to 370 all out. Sri Lanka then got 550. Dinesh Chandamal got that double 100. And then Australia were rolled by Prabhath Jayasuriya in, mm. in, in the second innings. And for a little while, you could see that happen emerging again. Now, as it shows, it didn't happen. The tail got some important runs, but I thought Perry did himself a bit of a disservice there. He started nicely in, in Nagpur with a, a positive 36. And so this, again, you've got to be a bit careful when you critique a player because in that 36, he swept and reverse swept very effectively. But I do think just perhaps needs to be a bit careful about how much he leans on on that shot. Now, he explains it, and he explains it very well, that when conditions are tough, he feels that's his best attacking run-scoring option. But I actually, I think he's a much better batter than that. He is a, he is a quality batter, Alex Carey, and he plays beautifully down the ground when he wants to play down the ground. So I think he could potentially give himself a slightly better chance there. And um, so, so, so from his batting point of view, slightly disappointing, keeping was superb. The, the one other, I guess, overall collective, and I know the series was very dominated by spin, but overall, Australia's quick bowling was, I thought, fairly disappointing throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pat Cummins, the two tests he played, seemed reluctant to bowl himself at times. Then, of course, they changed the attack uh, for the last two tests. Uh, Green and Stark came back, didn't have much to do in indoor. Uh, they had a bit more to do in Armada Baden. They they didn't really hit their straps, uh, both perhaps a bit underbold and not really in in great rhythm. Green did get it to reverse a little bit, struggled a bit for, con- for control, albeit he was trying to implement a plan when Harris Barrett pulled him for those sixes to the short boundary, but he looked in a little bit short of a gallop with the ball. And, and Mitch Stark couldn't, couldn't get it to go like they got the ball to go in Pakistan last year. I mean, if you yeah, think back yeah. to that Pakistan series, it was Australia's quick bowlers that won that series, Cummins and Stark. In Lahore, some of the best reverse swing bowling you you could wish to see that blew open that first innings. And Steve Smith tried to replicate that a little bit in Ahmedabad in, in the first innings, but they just couldn't get the ball to go enough 
Um, and again, I say it wasn't easy conditions for fast bowling, but, and again, it was something KK wrote about during the series. Um, by and large, India's fast bowling outperformed, as they have done with a lot of visiting sides over here. They generally looked a bit more threatening, even if you look at like Umesh Yadav's spell in indoor, which I know didn't change the game, but that was a really good little short yes. shot spell of a verse swing. You had Mohammed Shami in the first two tests was exceptional in the, in the spells he bowled, I thought. Um, perhaps either of them weren't quite at their best in, in, in the last test match. Um, but yeah, I, I thought just given what they'd shown in Pakistan, um, I thought a little bit disappointing from the limited evidence of, of the quick bowling um, in this series. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we come back to the big one, I guess, which is yeah. David Warner, um, because that sort of throws forward to what's next um, for Australia. Um, yeah, big decisions for Australia coming up there. He had a poor record coming to India. Um, so in some ways, um, was not surprising that he struggled for the runs when he, he did play. Um, albeit he was pretty courageous to bat on in Delhi, as obviously we found out he then had a, a fracture in his elbow before he was subbed out uh, with concussion. Um, the big question now is, is how much more test cricket does he have left in him? The talk seems to be, or the, the feeling seems to be that he'll get the final. Um, okay. but, it, but it was very interesting. It's very interesting to read the comments from Mickey Ponting the other week where he said that, and it's bizarre to think of a, a showpiece final like this, but he, he suggested there may even be an element of um, a selection trial in that final for David Warner, that if he was to say fail twice cheaply in, in that final in England, um, the, that would really put pressure on him for the ashes. Um, and sort of when Andrew McDonald was asked the other day, and he wasn't asked a direct question about, well, I suppose he was, it was reasonably direct. He was asked, where does David Warner stand in your plans? And he said, he's very firmly in the plans for the final. And I left it a little bit open in a sense for mm. a bit beyond that. So, um, if I was a betting man right now, I'd say that he will play the final and start the Ashes. If he fails, say, misses, or whatever happens in the World Championship final, if he then, say, Stuart Broad nicks him off around the wicket, <laughs> first test of the Ashes, he may not finish that series. And, and it may be that he doesn't get to call his own end to his career. And the other interesting, I mean, it's not a major deal, but the interesting slight little dynamic to that is that the Sydney Test match next summer in Australia won't be the last test match of the summer, which is his home test match. Mm, yeah. um, because of the structure next season, they play more test matches later in January. So the last test of next summer will actually probably be in Brisbane, uh, which in a sense doesn't matter. It's still a test match. Uh, but obviously the narrative is that should Warner have gone at the end of last summer after his double hundred at Melbourne, right. they had a test match at Sydney against South Africa. Would that, and there's always hindsight in this, um, but was that the moment to go, look, okay, I've made my point. I'm going to walk away on home soil. Completely understand why he didn't. These two test series, this one here, the one in England and the final, massive aims for the Australian team. And Warner understandably wants to be part of that. So, um, yeah, I think he'll play again test cricket. How much and whether he makes it to next summer in Australia, I think that's much more uncertain. Mm, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see for June, the first week of June. Uh, Nasha, you touched on the WTC final. Karthik, I think we'll go to you for the final word. Any any indications from India as to how they will approach this final based on this based on this series? I know the last time Ashwin and Jareja played together, uh, would you think that they'll, that they'll go with a similar combination here? I think there's uh, like 
the one big name there is Bumrah. Hmm. So without him, can they play four fast bowlers? Is a very big question because then that would be I don't know probably Shami, Siraj, Umesh Yadav, Shardul Thakur. Right. And is that the attack that's going to give India boats like incision and control because they're going to do the bulk of the bowling is a big question and I'm not sure I'd say yes to that answer. Uh, I'd answer yes yes to that question. If Bumrah was there, yeah, sure, you could pick four quicks and one spinner regardless of, uh, I mean, in typically English conditions and it's in June as well. So I think, I mean, it feels like they'd want to go 4-1 with their attack because it's brought them a bit of success in England. But without Bumrah, I don't think they'd have the ability to play for fast yeah. bowlers. Or it would be a very big risk, let's say that. Uh, and, you know, like there's a couple of things in favour of picking two spinners. One is, you know, that Australia have a bunch of left-handers, especially Warner plays. And then they would seriously think that Ashwin becomes a proper attacking weapon in that case, even in the first innings. Uh, and Jadeja is Jadeja. He's going to you know, be a, more of a batting all-rounder in English conditions, but he'll do his job. So, the left-handers is one thing. And the oval, even though generally they play in late August or September there, where it's much warmer and like the spinners really do come into the game uh, on days four and five, uh, it's not going to be that in June. But Still, like they could, depending on what sort of pitch, it's a neutral curator as well. So, uh, mm. depending on what sort of pitch and what sort of weather there is, that India could play two spinners. And I, I would say that you know, even though it didn't quite work for them in Southampton, this is a new game, new set of circumstances. Just like you know, treat it as a one-off and go with your best attack for that for those conditions. Which so probably includes Ashwin and Jadeja. Yeah, looking at it yeah. now, like two yeah. months yeah. before the thing, it looks like that would be the wisest way to go. But All it's, right. it's a long time yeah. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've, we've come to the end of the Border Gavaskar Trophy, Karthik. You went to all four tests, uh, correct? So how, how was your tour? Concluding thoughts? Oh, yeah, it was, it was a great tour to cover. I mean, the three-day finishes left uh, a lot of space in between where you mm. had to figure out something to write and... Uh, all of that and uh, yeah, there was a lot of very good cricket between two really well-matched sides and that was, you know, whether it was three days or five days. There was no dull cricket until the point when Shubman Gill and Cheteshwar Pujara bowled, bowled those overs and that's the very, very end of the series. Right. Right. Until then, like, there was no inch given by either side at any point and that was just beautiful to watch and Four very different venues, four very interesting cities to explore as well. So, I enjoyed all of it. Excellent. And Nasho, two tests and one ODI for you here. Did you enjoy your time in India? Ah, yeah, it's been it's been wonderful um, to be back. Um, yeah, uh, as KK said, two fascinating cities that I'd not been to before um, to, to spend some time in. Um, some some compelling cricket, uh, some some good stories. Um, I think Australia will leave with a. Bit of a what could have been um, thought about this one. I mean, as as Kartik said, they were they, they perhaps even closer match sides than people had envisaged before this mm. series started. Actually, I think um, 
yeah, that there was some there was some reasonably low expectations outside of. I mean, Australia always believed they could compete, but perhaps outside of that, there was a bit more skepticism. But um, yeah, I, I I think kind of they they came and showed that they can play play in these conditions. And you always need a bit of luck in some of the way the games unfolded, um, certainly in the first half of the series. And as Karthik touched on um, earlier in the show, um, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, four years is a long time, of course, but it'll be very interesting to see what the two teams look like uh, when they're back here uh, for the next one, because there is the transition going on in both these sides now in terms of um, the groups of players that will retire roughly at the same time. So the next evolution of this contest, um, the series in Australia, the next one down here, I think will be fascinating to watch. But the Border Gangster series, very rarely disappoints and uh, this well, one fight, uh, fight test from next time next absolutely time, fight test yeah. going forward as well so that that's great as well so yeah as i say very rarely disappoints um and it was a 